right, good morning, everybody. How are we doing this morning? Praise God. Amen. Who is glad to be in the house of the Lord on this beautiful January Sunday morning? Amen. It's the fifth Sunday of the year already, and it is off to an incredible start. So praise God for all that. We're going to have an awesome, awesome service today, and uh, just be be expecting to receive from the Lord. That's all I can say. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and stand up together. We are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America, and we're going to keep decreeing that America is coming to Jesus. Amen. All right. And if you've uh, got somebody that's trying to live stream with us today, sometimes Facebook gets a burr under their saddle and doesn't put us on. So it's all on YouTube or you can go to the website. So if you got someone texting you saying, hey, I don't see it, tell them to go to YouTube today and praise God for that. All right. Well, let's go ahead and we are going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. Yeah. All right, well, let's take a few minutes here to go around and give a little meet and greet time. Give some love. So make sure you're ready for some hugs because we're huggers around here. Or if nothing else, give some high fives. All right, let's go. Yeah. 
Faithful through 
you may be seated. Amen. Welcome to church this morning. We love you. We're still working on transitions. We're not good at it yet, you know? Because it's not really an entertainment thing, and that's, we're not really performers. No. We're just entertaining. I don't know. Well, I wouldn't say that. Anyway, good morning. Happy Sunday to you. Yeah, amen. Um, before we do anything else, can I just recognize something that's really important to all of us this morning? Pastor Samples, would you stand, please? <laughs> um, today is our spiritual dad's spiritual birthday. Oh. So he's 43 years young today in the Lord. Today was the day that he asked the Lord into his heart. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about that is he can remember like the day, the time, where he was at, you know. I remember that I asked Jesus into my heart, but not all the details. Uh, he's got it all down. But better than that, tonight at the six o'clock service, he's going to share with us that testimony. So if you would like to hear about dad's spiritual birthday and how to apply that sort of principle to your life, it goes deeper than just asking the Lord into your heart. He's just lived a life crazy for Jesus. So come tonight at six o'clock and we'll be able to, you know, congratulate him on his spiritual birthday. It's awesome. We love you, dad. Thank you very, very much for asking Jesus into your heart. It has changed all of our lives for sure. Um, also thank you for all of your giving last year and being a part of all that God is doing here. If you did not receive your giving letter via email last week, then I need for you to stop and give your name, phone number, and email at the information booth. I also need to know if you need a hard copy and you're not able to print it yourself or get it to your tax professional that way, um, make sure to just stop by the info booth and let us know what you need uh, and give us your contact information and we'll make sure to get that to you tomorrow. Okay? So info booth for your giving letters. Lift Marriage Night is coming on February 17th, right after Valentine's Day. It is going to be a big Italian dinner in which you're bringing the Italian food, okay? So you bring a dish to share, and it will be at 6 6.30 in Victory Hall. There is free child care, so there is no excuse for you to not go, okay? There is no excuse for you to feel sad on Valentine's Day as a married couple. When we give you these opportunities and you feel like life is frustrating or you're having any struggles... This is the place you should be, okay? So you can't say, well, all those people got it together because we don't, okay? We've all worked real hard on our marriages, and this is the place you go to work hard on your marriage and to go have a good laugh. And there's free childcare. So 6.30, February 17th. Also, membership class is getting a little bit crazy. Uh, he's clapping because he knows how many pages are here. Okay, can I just show you how many pages are here? <laughs> That's crazy. So we had like a class of 15 at one point, and it was probably the most fun membership class we've ever had. This is more than that. So if you would like to sign up for membership class, just know it's it's not quite a class at this point. It's more like a party and learning about the church so membership class is for if you would like to get to know the church better know what our belief system is what principles we live by ask whatever questions you would like have some quality time with pastor dave uh you may not want that yeah you may not he said you may not want that we'll see 
we'll see. But anyway, it's a great time, and it's going to be Sunday night, the 19th, from 4 to 7. Now, our Sunday night service is at 6 o'clock, but membership class will be in Victory Hall from 4 o'clock to 7 o'clock, um, and there will be child care for that also. Yep. Yes, verifying that. Um, worship night. Woo. Who's been waiting on one? Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes it's good just to be able to be at the altar of the Lord and just talk to him yourself. Now, you should be doing that at every service as well as at home. But sometimes it's real nice to get in the corporate anointing and be able to do that. So we are going to let the Holy Ghost do whatever he wants to do that Sunday evening. It will be on the 26th of February. So the last Sunday night in February, we are going to have a worship night for the evening service. Also, here's another thing. When mom and dad are out of town, we tend to do things, I would like to say to bless them. I don't know that we're always a blessing because we're their kids. You know when you go out of town and your kids party a little? Okay, so we're going to do a big 75th birthday for Mrs. Pastor. Yes. Her birthday happens to be on a Sunday. Which is even better. So we'll have our normal Sunday morning service followed by a giant pitch-in lunch. And we'll all, you know, just be able to bless her for her birthday and have a big lunch birthday party that Sunday. But here's the thing. I am about to get invitations out to all of you. But I can't fit all this information on an invitation. So I'm going to tell you and then I'm going to do the short version on an invitation. I need for you to be thinking about what you can do to bless her. We need to do a card, right? And if you would like to bless her financially, include that in the card to her personally. Um, As I understand it, we're not going to do an offering that day. What we're going to do is you're going to tell her you love her and bless her with that birthday card. Yeah. So it's going to be really cool. Uh, The other thing we're going to do is mom does these one-liners. Um, And one of my favorites of all time is she was preaching and she was talking about wolves, people who would come into the congregation and try to tear up other people or, you know, to separate us as a family kind of thing. And she said, what do we do with wolves? We shoot them. (laughs) And it's one of my favorite one-liners of all time. But We don't literally. Okay, no. But... If you're in here to destroy what God has put together, you're done for. I'm just saying. We don't mess around like that. Spiritually, you know, I don't need, I don't need a weapon. The weapons of my warfare are not carnal. Anyway, read your Bibles. My point is, Miss P does these one-liners and she is super straight shooting and straightforward and very clear on her communication. I would like for you to think about what you have heard her say that has made a difference in your life or something that you hear, you know, you'll be going about life and, oh, Miss P said that thing. It was so funny. It was so great. And something that's influenced you and impacted you. So if you could write that down with your name and phone number and get it to me, I would love that because we're also going to do a video and all her kids are flying in. So it'll be really fun, right? So we're going to do this awesome big birthday party. I would love
love for you to be there. If you know some church people who've been out of church for a while, this is a great opportunity to get them back in. And yeah, it's okay to guilt trip them to get here for Miss P's birthday to get them back into church, right? Praise the Lord. Well, with her being my mom, I was thinking of some things she said to me over the years that have changed my life. And I, don't, I can't share all of them, but I recall an instance where my brother Josh, you may not know this is my much, much older brother Josh, but one time when we... Yes, yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, we lived out in the country. We were kind of what you would call rednecks, okay? And uh, we had pigs, and Josh and I thought it would be a good idea to mud wrestle the pigs one day in our underwear. And uh, anyway, we did it, and my mom came out and found us. Josh had a pig in a headlock, and let me just tell you, things came out of my mother's mouth that changed my life to this day. Amen. If she's watching, I love you, Mom. You're a life changer. Praise God for the discipline. <laughs> Amen. All I right. don't have to That's deal with him wrestling pigs anymore. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. If you're with us for the first time. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't have gone there. I shouldn't have gone there. <laughs> if you're with us for the first time or the first time in a long time, would you just raise your hand? Okay. I'm so glad to have you with us today. Thank you for being here. We love you. It is crazy around here, but we love Jesus, yeah. and we're all about him changing our lives. Amen. In Jesus' name. <laughs> well, we're going to have a pastor come on up this morning, and we're going to do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. Amen. And so, what do we call that around here? Yeah. God loves a cheerful giver, so we get really happy when we get the chance to give back to the Lord a piece of what he blessed us with in the first place. Amen? All right, we'll have Pastor go ahead and do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. Amen. we got some stories back there. The oldest son, Jason, uh, we didn't have horses yet, had cows, so he rode a cow all the time. <laughs> he looks so funny riding that big old cow around the 4-H grounds. But, uh, anyway, we had a lot of fun back in Indiana the in the little kid days. Okay, it's happy time. Amen. Hold up your hold up your hands. You need an envelope for your tithes or your offerings. It opened up to Ephesians chapter one, verse three. Ephesians chapter one, verse three. And uh gonna gonna help you this morning. If you don't understand tithing, you think you don't have enough faith for tithing or, or whatever, but I want you to see something in the Word of God the Lord taught me years ago. Ephesians 1 verse 3. I'll wait till I sit on the screen in case you don't have your Bible with you. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at this part right here. He hath, it just has, is has, Present tense, past tense, or future tense? Anybody, anybody go to school? Does has mean it's already happened? Okay, it's not going to happen, already happened. It says, has blessed us with all spiritual blessings, blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And uh, the Lord told me years ago, and I say it all the time, that the spiritual always determines the natural good or bad. And so if you've been blessed spiritually with everything God's got, that's going to affect your finances. It's going to affect your health. It's going to affect everything in your life. And so a lot of Christians, because they don't understand how this works, they're praying the wrong prayer. If you're all the time praying and begging God to meet your needs, to give you money, to help you help you financially, you're praying the wrong prayer. Let me show you why. 
He says he's already blessed you with all you need. Well, years ago, the Lord said this to me one day concerning some other things, but it applies for everything here. He said, if you've got a serpentine belt, and, you know, maybe a lot of people don't know what that is, but that's a part for a car that controls everything going on with your car, the serpentine belt. It's a, they used to have fan belts for everything. This covers everything, the whole engine makes everything work. Well, once you know how to put it on, it's simple. I know how to now, but then I didn't ha- know how. I didn't have a lot of money to hire somebody to do it for me. And so the Lord told me, if you got a serpentine belt already, I had the belt. He said, if you're praying for me to give you a serpentine belt, you're praying the wrong prayer. You've already got it. He said, you need to pray for somebody to show you how to put it on. Somebody to put it on for you. Or go on the internet and look at YouTube or something, learn how to put it on, but said, you've already got it. And so that, I mean, to me, that helped me so much to see what God was talking about. You know, wouldn't would it look stupid if you've got something you need already right there laid in front of you? It's, oh, Lord, give me it. Give me it. Give me it. Oh, Lord, please give this to me. You're looking at it. You just don't know what to do with it. And so concerning tithing and your finances, you've got to learn how to put on faith for tithing. And, you know, I'm thinking, I'm going to look at another verse here in a minute, but I was, I was thinking a minute ago, you know, you can tell by seeing my wife's birthday, they told her age, and she and I are pretty close. Well, we've been around a while. But I was thinking as we were worshiping a minute ago, I had a great-great-aunt and uncle that were born in the 1970s, or 1870s, and they got, they got, they got married in the year 1900. And in the 50s, we used to go over to their house. They were pretty old people. They didn't have inside plumbing yet. They had an outhouse. And did anybody ever see a real pump that you go up and put that handle up and down to get water to come out? Or maybe saw it on a cowboy show? They had one of those in their kitchen. They were really old. But they had to keep a cup of water there with it too because if it lost its prime, you had to pour water into it to get it coming again to make the water start working again. And so if you had a pump like that, and you had all kinds of water down to the well under your house. And you're wanting some water and you're cranking it, nothing's happened. And you say, give me some water. And the pump says, first of all, you gotta give me some to get me started. And so that's how it works in the financial arena of God. God says, give me something to work with. I gotta have something. You say, give it to me. He says, he says, I've got it. I've already got more than enough, everything you need, but you gotta give me something to work with. That's called the tithe. You bring the tithe into the storehouse to get the system started. And then when it happens, you got to keep the pump primed. you just got to stay consistent with what you're doing. And the, before long, you're start seeing things change in your life. But I want you to look over here a few more verses. I want to say it again. He said in verse 3, he's already given you everything you'll ever need. But it's like the serpentine belt. If a man's got that part. And he's praying for one. Then why is he praying for it? He's already got it. He's got to pray the right prayer. And so Ephesians chapter 1, I want you to look at this, verse 17. And I, because because this is offering time, I'm not doing an extensive teach. Just showing you how to pray. Verse 16 says you're thanking God uh, for your life. And then verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, this is your prayer, that the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened are open, 
that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance of the saints. And you need to make this prayer a part of your prayer life. You need to open the Bible and begin to read that prayer out loud, talking to the Lord and just thanking him for it, thanking him your eyes are being opened to see. You've got the serpentine belt laying there. It's doing you no good till you put it on the car. And so that'd be like praying, Lord, show me how to put this on my car. I'm looking right at it. I've got it. I need to know how to put it on. And that's what he says right here concerning your life in spiritual things. And we're talking about the tithe, that the eyes of your heart be opened, that you'll see and you'll know what your inheritance is in Christ. Amen? And so I'm, I'm telling you, this is how it works. I've been around a few years, and I know a little bit about spiritual things and about life. And if you're struggling financially, and the times we're living in, that's very possible. If you're struggling financially, and you begin to pray for the Lord to show you about tithing from the Word of God, to show you how to have faith for tithing, to be able to enjoy the benefits of being a tither with open windows of heaven, God rebuking the devourer for you, people sin your life, and I said, oh, that poor old Christian, they're just so broke all the time. They never got anything. Look, you'd see in your life, and the Bible says it's supposed to look at you and say, Wow, look at Mike and Betty. They are blessed. Hey, matter. Pastor Dave and Katie, they are blessed. Because when people see you and they call you blessed, then they're going to be open for you to tell them how you got the blessing. It all comes down to I gave my life to Jesus. And I do what the Bible says do. I live for him. Amen. That help anybody to see that? Well, I, I'm serious. I'm serious about that prayer. Start opening up your Bible in Ephesians chapter 1 every day and begin to read that and thank it Him. Your eyes of understanding are being opened. You're seeing and knowing what it is you need to know. Amen? Well, let's stand up and make our financial faith confession. All right. Are we ready? As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today... We believe we receive jobs, our better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take care of my family give just read to the gospel the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, let's worship the Lord together. Come on up into the altar. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. I give you my attention all my focus pushing off the limit
this morning we're going to learn a new song together and it's pretty simple and I really like this song because it really to me it paints a picture of what heaven's going to be like it's just going to be us gathered around the throne of God just singing to his praises singing how holy he is so let me just let me show you how this chorus goes and then we'll sing it all together and the angels cry a holy all creation cries a holy you are lifted high a holy a holy forever hear your people sing Your name is the greatest. Your name stands above them all. All thrones and dominions, all powers and positions. Your name stands above them all. And the angels cry, creation cries holy you are lifted high holy holy forever sing if you've been forgiven if you've been forgiven and if you've been
We are here to worship you today. We are here to lift you high, Jesus. And we say that this isn't about us, Lord. This is about you. And you are holy. You are set apart. There's nobody else like you. There's nobody else beside you. There's nobody else that can even come close, Lord. We thank you for all that you are. As uh, as my brother Josh here was uh, introducing that song, you know, I've never heard this song before, but the first thing that came to my mind was in Revelation chapter 7. I'm going to read just a couple verses to you here because people, you know, they wonder what heaven's like. And the Bible paints us, uh, you know, a picture. It, it, it does. We do have some information regarding what heaven would be like. Yes, there's mansions. Yeah, there's streets of gold. There's a river of life. There's a tree of life. But one of the main things that we can't lose sight of is what I'm going to read right here. And it's in Revelation 7. Starting at verse 9, and I'm in the NLT here. But, you know, the Apostle John was, uh, uh, <laughs> the Roman government hated his guts, man. They tried to kill him several times, and it just didn't work. So they banished him to this remote island called Patmos. And they're like, well, he can't cause any trouble over there. Well, lo and behold, he's on the island as a prisoner, and that's where the Lord gives him a revelation. And that's where we get the book of Revelation. And he gets a, uh, he gets a revelation of what heaven is going to be like and uh, what the end of the world will be like. But right here we read about some of what he saw in heaven. He wrote it down, Revelation 7 verse 9. He says, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. All right? And so get this, a sea of faces of every color, every nation, every tribe, every language. They were clothed in white robes, which means that they were uh, righteous, and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God, who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. 
And as we read that, you're like, man, I just don't like it. I don't like being in great big crowds. Well, hey, I get that, but heaven's going to be a lot of great big crowds, all right? Well, I don't like it when church is loud. Well, you may not like heaven then because it says right here, they were shouting with a great roar. Yeah, come on. So, yeah, it's, it's not a quiet place. And verse 11 says, And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings, and they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground, and they worshipped God. They worshipped God. And when we worship, you'll realize it's not... Worship isn't singing songs about, you know, all that God can do for me, all right? We call that praise. All that God, you know, all the things that he blesses us with, we praise in God when we do that. But worship is when you're singing about the Lord, and it has nothing to do with you. And this is what they sang in heaven. They sang, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord some some praise today, some worship. And there's other places in Revelation that describe the same scene, but I just think it's important for us to realize that. So as we worship, as we praise, just get used to it if you're going to heaven, because there's going to be a whole lot of that up there. It's going to be loud. There's going to be a lot of people, but we're going to be worshiping the Lord. Amen. Let's give the Lord one more shout of praise together today. Hallelujah. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever and ever. Amen. Do you love Jesus today? Amen. I mean, I know we say that, but I love Jesus. He has changed my life. He has set me free. He has healed me, delivered me, and put my feet on solid ground. Amen. He is good. All right. Well, we're going to be today in part Four of our series that we're starting the new year off with, and uh, and the title is this. It's, it's, it's called Roots, and today is going to be part four. And uh, we saw in the first couple of weeks about how important it is to have a stable foundation. And we know that a lot of people want to have a grand life, and they want you know the sky's the limit. You know we like to say, but really the sky uh, you don't want to build that high if you don't have the foundation to sustain the grand growth. Amen. And we see this all the time that people think like, man, the answer to all my troubles would be if I just got like a million dollars tomorrow. That would probably multiply your issues. If you already don't handle the money that you have well, that would just crush you and embarrass you. And I just saw, there's a news thing I saw just the other day. Some guy in Europe, no one in America would do this, but over in Europe, some guy won their their European Powerball and he won the biggest amount that they've ever had. And I forget get how you know what it was but within i think i said five years he was dead broke and the guy was basically a billionaire and 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 somebody some financial analysts were like that took a lot of skill and effort to blow that amount of money that's hard to do because we think like oh man this would solve everything but if you don't have a solid foundation listen you can't build very high and your roots you know they if they're not deep the tree of your life will just crash and fall down with the first gust of wind that comes by. And a lot of people, they don't want to take the time to let their roots grow deep. And they don't want to take the time to lay a foundation because it does take time. And, and we, you know, we just want instant success. But listen, a lot of times instant success isn't lasting success. And I will tell you right now that lasting success 
is a whole lot better than something that you get instantly, but you lose really quick. Amen? And so that's what the Christian life is about. It's not about just how fast we can do it. No, it takes some time to do it the right way, but it's always worth it in the end. And so the reason that we're doing a series called Roots, it's based off of our theme verse for this year. So let's look at Colossians chapter 2. Can we go there? Colossians chapter 2. Amen. All right. And so we're going to look at Colossians chapter 2 and uh, verse 7. This is our HDWC theme verse for 2023. And uh, it's, it's what we're focusing on. We're focusing on growing deeper roots in our faith and, and really getting everybody to be a stronger Christian. And that's what we're called to do, man. Colossians 2. Verse 7, it says, and let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. And so my roots need to be in Jesus. My foundation needs to be Jesus. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And then, boom, you will overflow with thankfulness. That's what I want my life to look like right there. I want to be strong in the truth that I've been taught and I will, I want to overflow with thankfulness. So we saw a few weeks ago that, I mean, one of the absolute number one things that you need to be rooted in is in the word of God, uh, because Jesus is the word, according to John one and verse one. And so if I'm going be rooted in Jesus, I cannot do that without being rooted in God's word. It has to be a top priority in my life. I don't know anybody that's a strong Christian that is not rooted in God's word. It has to be a big priority. And what we've been looking at the last couple weeks here is this, is being rooted in God's house, being rooted in church. And and we realize, again, we, we've seen so many things and heard so many excuses. In fact, you know what? We did a little segment last week in the sermon that I, I felt went really well. Maybe you didn't enjoy it. I really loved it. And so uh, we're going to do this again. I want to introduce to you a part of the, the sermon that we're going to call Common But Lame Excuses. Can we do this again, everybody? All right. My lovely assistant, my wife, Pastor Katie is going to be the one giving the lame excuses this time, all right? And so, uh, you know, throughout the years, I don't know if you're like me, maybe you invite somebody to church and, 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 and they'll give you an excuse for not going. Here, you know, I need to do this one. Uh, I'm going to say it now, but maybe I'll give this later on. But one of the things I hear most often when I'm like, hey, man, we'd like to have you come to church with us. Man, if I walked in there, I swear, man, I'd get struck by lightning. The roof would fall in. I'm like, you think that God's been waiting for your behind to come to church all these years just so the second you get there, he can kill you? No, absolutely not. No, 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 no. Well, when you get into church, God's not going to strike you with lightning and punish you for actually showing up to his house. The roof is not going to cave in and kill all of us. No, that's a lame excuse. You are just where the Lord wants you to be. But at the same time, uh, you know, we hear some some lame excuses, and, and some of them may sound valid, but really there's no good excuse to disobey the word of God. Does anybody know that yet? All right. So anyway, uh, this is uh, Pastor Katie, but we're gonna, just gonna we're gonna pretend that she's somebody else today. All right. So you need a pretend uh, name. What's your What's your fake name gonna be? Yeah. What? <laughs> Catherine. I'm, 
I'm not actually even a Catherine. I okay. only all got right. Katie. So this is Catherine, all right? And uh, and so I've, I've invited her to church, and, uh, and she's going to give us some reasons why she thinks that she doesn't need to go to church. And then I'll give my rebuttal. All right, go. <laughs> First, can I just tell you how much we all enjoy it when Pastor Dave's sarcastic? What? It's just really, oh, we really appreciate it. Right so <laughs> I don't need church. God and I have our own vibe going on. Oh, you don't need church because you and God have your own vibe going on? <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Here's what my response would be to that. No, you don't. <laughs> yes, you should have a personal relationship with Jesus. We all should have that, right? Going to church should not be the only time that I interact with God. Uh, but listen, you don't just have some side deal cut out with God where he exempts you from obeying his word. You should have a personal relationship, or if you want to use the word vibe, going on with God, you know, fine. But you're still called to gather in his name with other Christians. Matthew 18, 20, it says, where two or more are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And then Hebrews 10, 25 says, do not forsake the assembling of the saints together. And so I love you, but no, you're, you, you, you know, do your relationship personally, but come together and worship with the rest of the Christians. Amen? Was that, a, you know, all right, okay. Well, we well, I don't have the time. My life's really busy. Oh, you don't have the time for Jesus? Okay, well, I'm just going to say that this is the lamest and weakest of every excuse. Now, I wouldn't say this to her face. I would say it behind her back because that's the kind of guy I am. But, <laughs> okay. This is the lamest and weakest excuse of all because we make time for what we value. The same person that says this to you, mark my words, they probably watch three hours of TikTok videos every day. Now, if that hits close to home, just, you know, don't. I mean, amen. All right. All right. So, you know, plus, you know, plus at our church, we have three different services a week. So you have options. All right. You know, just because you may not be able to make it to Sunday at 10 a.m. There's Sunday night at 6 p.m. There's Wednesday night at 7 p.m. and other groups. And, and listen, if Jesus could clear three days out of his busy schedule to die for you and go to hell and fight the devil. Perhaps you could find it in your heart to clear out one to two hours of your week to stop by and say thank you. All right, well, that's my, that's my response. Okay. All right, okay. Well, you see, I'm against organized religion. Oh, okay. Well, you'll love us then, because we're really unorganized around here. Can I just add? <laughs> she didn't want me to now, do that one. Now, this is Katie, not Catherine that. talking. All right. I'm like, I can't do that one. That one's making fun of me. Oh, Anyway. We're working on our organization. But... Sometimes truth hurts. Okay. Right. Praise right. Jesus. Yeah, You'll love us. Okay, all right. It's a circus. So if someone says, well, I don't want to go to your church because I'm against organized religion, you tell them, our, our church is very unorganized. You'll love it over there. It's a mess, all right? <laughs> You'll fit right in. Okay, number four. Um, I, I just don't feel like it. Okay, hey, I get that. Sometimes we don't feel like it, but let me ask you a question. Do you feel like going to work every single day? No. Catherine says no. <laughs> okay, you're Catherine right now, all right? Yeah, all right, so, no, you don't feel like it. You go because there's money attached to it. Now, if you can find the motivation to make yourself do things you don't feel like doing for money, you can find some motivation to do something that is good for you spiritually. 
Don't value money more than you value God. Amen? All right. That's all I got on that. All right, so there we go. Good job. All right. Good job. Good job, Catherine. All right. Praise the Lord. So we're just trying to help you out here, you know, at High Desert Word Center, trying to educate the masses and uh, do what we can. So anyway, uh, we're going to get into the message today, and we're going to be looking at some reasons why church is an important part of our root system. And, you know, we looked at some things last week, and, and I you know I just got to tell you that as we look at these things, it's not because... We are just desperate to get people into the building. I mean, God's taking care of that. But I know the benefits of regularly gathering with other Christians and coming to church. It has changed my life. It is a foundation block in my life. And it's not just because I'm a preacher. It's not just because I was raised in church. You know, even before I was a pastor, when we were in college, man, we, Pastor Katie and I, we were busy. Now that I have kids, I thought that I was busy. But at the same time, for that stage in our lives, we felt very busy. You know, we worked a 40-hour work week, went to two colleges simultaneously. And there was very little time to do anything extra that we wanted to do and besides that, we were too poor to do anything we wanted to do anyway. So what we did is we we went to church every week. We always made time for it. And our church had a Saturday night service, a couple Sunday mornings. And so there were options, but I did not take that moment in time to say, well, I'm not a pastor right now. My parents aren't here to make me go. I knew that I would very, very weak if I didn't get together with other Christians regularly and I didn't obey God's word to come to the house of God. And so it's a, it's valuable in my life because I have seen it change my life and it has kept me strong all these years. All right. And so let's look at some reasons for actually going to church. All right. Number one, there are statistically proven benefits. Like, really? Yeah. Uh, We're going to go over this. Listen, if you didn't get an outline for the message, raise your hand. And the ushers, they're going to hand you out once. You can kind of follow along here. But honestly, we're going to be talking about, for a minute here, uh, the benefits of coming to church regularly. And so uh, we're going to open our Bibles to Psalm 122 and verse 1. And then I'm going to get into some statistics and nerdy things. And if that puts you to sleep, my bad. All right. So Psalm 122. I'm going to look at verse 1. Who loves just coming to the house of the Lord together with your family? Love it, man. Absolutely. I love it. It is a, a key part of, of my week, a key part of my life. But Psalm 122 and verse 1, it's a, a famous verse, but this is from King David himself. And he says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. David was glad. He wasn't like, man, I was mad and I felt judged when they told us, let's go to the house of the Lord, man. No, he said, I was glad about it. I want to go to the house of the Lord. And I like the way the message Bible put it. It says, when they said, let's go to the house of God, my heart leaped for joy. Amen. 
And so I get joy. There is joy in the house of the Lord. And that's a good enough reason right there to want to be together with the family. But I'm going to take just a few minutes here. And this is a little bit different than how I would normally do a sermon. But I've got a stockpile of statistics. And I've narrowed it down lest I bore you all. But I've got a lot of statistics that really prove the benefits of attending church regularly. All right. And so just listen up for a minute. But in 2017, Professor Marino Bruce of Vanderbilt University and Professor David Geffen of the UCLA School of Medicine completed a study of 5,449 people. They discovered, quote, that middle-aged adults who attend church actually reduce their risk for mortality by 55%. They also said... For those who did not attend church at all, they were twice as likely to die prematurely than those who did attend church regularly. I'm like, whoa, all right. Uh, Here's another one. Researchers at the University of Texas, the University of Colorado, and Florida State University tracked 22,000 regular churchgoers, as well as occasional worshipers and non-worshipers over a nine-year period, all right? This is a thorough study if you know statistics. 22,000 people over a nine-year period. They found that non-worshippers have the highest risk of early death and that the risk decreases as church attendance increases. And it's kind of confusing, but the report, which is is labeled Religious Involvement and U.S. Adult Mortality. That's kind of a, you know, a, a nerdy title, but it says life expectancy for weekly churchgoers is 82, 82 years old, and 83 years old for those who attend more than once a week. Like, wow. Non-churchgoers, the study, the study said, lived an average of 75 years. That's an eight-year decrease. Statistically speaking, that is monumental. An eight-year decrease. The people live in the same country, the same neighborhoods, have the same access to health care and everything else, but an eight-year decrease. Sociologist Robert Hummer of the University of Texas told USA Today that he thinks the study shows that behavior is influenced by church or religious involvement, and that affects life expectancy. Would you say that your behavior has been affected uh, after you started coming to church? Are there things you used to do that you don't do anymore? Are there things you used to do that were potentially bad for your health that you don't do anymore? Yeah. And so, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why uh, people that regularly attend church live as much as eight years longer on average. And one of them is you probably don't drink the things you used to drink, smoke the things you used to smoke, go to some of the places you used to go to, right? And no doubt about it, this will have an impact on your life expectancy. And, you know, just some easy stats. WebMD had a whole article that said church attendance boosts your life expectancy. And even Time Magazine, who, by the way, is nowhere near being Christian, wrote an article in February of 2018 that I read on how regular church attenders live longer. And so there is a stockpile of documented evidence and research that shows that, yeah, people that regularly attend church do very much live a longer life on average. But here's some even more interesting statistics that I that I really enjoy. But 
couples who attend church every week, read their Bibles and other faith-building materials regularly, and also pray privately and together, and then people just take their faith seriously, they enjoy significantly lower divorce rates than mere church members and the general public and unbelievers. Now, Shanti Feldhahn, she's a Harvard research professor, she did a several-year study on couples who go to church several times a week versus those who never do, and found out that for couples who attend church all the time, the divorce rate is below 10%. The national rate is over 50%. We're talking about a 40% decrease. Again, if you know statistics, that is insane in the membrane. Wait, hold on. My bad. My bad. Sorry. I've, I grew up in the 90s. So things come back to my mind. But anyway, so that is an outrageous decrease. And I mean, statistically, that's unheard of. All right. She also found that couples who did not live together before marriage, whether Christian or not, had a crazy lower divorce rate. And for Christians who did not live together before marriage, the divorce rate is around 5%. And I'm like, catch me, I'm going to pass out. That is, that's nuts. 5%. All right? And I'm almost done with the stats, so you can take a sigh of relief here in just a minute. But I just looked this up this morning. That A, a, a 2019 Pew Research um, poll found that people who regularly attend church are 11% more likely to identify themselves as being very happy in life. Very happy. And I know that, you know, the, the people that, I, that are the most joyful, happy, positive people that I come across are people that are regular church attenders. It does something for you. And, and you know, a lot of people use the word your church community, and, you know, that's a cute word. I prefer the phrase church family because I grew up in a big family. There's eight kids in my family, and we did some knuckleheaded things and sometimes didn't get along, but we love each other with all of our hearts. And and so, again, a lot of times people in modern Christian society, like, man, you need a church community, and that's great, but I just know that I love my community, I do things in this community, I try to serve and and go to things, and, and I love my community, but I love my family a whole lot more than my community, and I'm a lot closer to them, and so as a Christian, you do need a church family, amen, and sometimes they may get on your nerves a little, may rub you the wrong way, whatnot, but hey, at the end of the day, They're your family, and you need to be there for them, and they need to be there for you. And we need to help each other make it through the hard times, because that is what families do. Can I get an amen today? Amen. And so I'm not asking you to to step up your church attendance for my own personal benefit. I don't get anything out of it. It's for your benefit. And even outside of the Bible tells us enough proof, but even outside of the Bible itself, there is a lot of documented proof of the benefits that it has on your life. All right. And so let's go to number two, because number one, that seemed very popular. Let's go to number two. And it's this. You need a pastor. You need a pastor. Amen. And this may sound like a weird point for me to make since I am a pastor. And I am the pastor of most of you here. But regardless of that, it's a biblical fact. And I'll tell you that 
I'm not, not only am, am I a pastor, but I have a pastor myself. In my case, it is my dad, but I have a pastor, and my dad has a pastor of his own. And that pastor has a pastor of his own. And I have a lot of other men of God that I submit to. And I receive from as well. There's there's men of God in my life. I'm not just a you know a lone ranger, a, a renegade out there just you know running the circuit doing my own. No, I've got men of God that are spiritual leaders to me that I submit to. And hey, if I'm wrong on something, I want them to tell me, and I want to correct it. And they do. And and I learn from them. There's a great pastor in Plano, Texas, who's really become a mentor and pastor Katie and I's life. But Pastor Gerald Brooks in the Dallas area and and. And we go about three times a year uh, to, to go sit under his teaching and receive from him and learn. And, and I'm telling you that you need spiritual authority in your life. You need a pastor. I need a pastor. And it's a Bible thing, right? And so I've got like a bunch of verses that I'm going to hit on this. And so keep up with me. But let's look at Jeremiah 3.15. Can we go there? Jeremiah 3.15. You still glad you came to church today? This is an educational sermon, all right? The more you know. Dun, dun. Jeremiah 3. You remember those cheesy commercials in the 90s? I guess it's 90s day, but they'd have some, you know, goofy celebrity tell you something as kids. And then there's this little rainbow and star. The more you know. <laughs> Man, that was, some, that was cheese. That was crazy. All right. Uh, Jeremiah 3. In verse 15, I'm going to read this in the King James. But Jeremiah 3.15, it says, And I will give you pastors, all right? The New Living and other translations say shepherds. King James says, I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Who needs a little knowledge and understanding? All right, the rest of you know it all already? Because help me out, I need to know. <laughs> Listen, no, God said he would give us pastors after his own heart that would feed us with knowledge and understanding. And notice it also said that God gives us pastors that have his heart for our lives. The, you know, a true pastor has the heart of God to help people out. And a true pastor isn't in ministry for what he can get out of it, but for what he can give. You know, I do, I do see some of these silly reality shows and stuff. You know, the, I don't even know the name, the real pastors of LA, whatever these, I mean, and that is just, I'm like, wow, I skipped that course in Bible college. I mean, that is not at all what I was taught. And you see, and hey, we know it, yeah, there are some people that have used the title of pastor and really given it a bad name and abused that title and lived crazy lives with it. But uh, listen, that doesn't change the fact that God himself said, I will give you pastors after my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And so, yes, I'll tell you that a true pastor is not in ministry for what he can get out of it, but for what he can give out of it. And so let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. 
Now, these are some verses uh, that are, I mean, these are speaking directly to pastors and elders and Christian leaders. And so maybe you read these and, and you don't, you know, get a, a whole lot out of these verses. But I read these verses regularly and I'm like, oh, Lord, yep, I got to do good. <laughs> I got to do good because these verses are written directly to pastors. And so what am I telling you today is that a true pastor, a true spiritual leader They're not in this for what they can get out of it. They're in this to truly help people. And that's the will of God for us. All right. So first Peter chapter five, and we're going to look here at verses two through four. And it, it tells us this speaking to pastors and elders. It says, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Amen. That's a word to anybody that's a spiritual leader. Verse three, don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, all right, you will receive a crown of never ending glory and honor. That's a word to pastors and spiritual leaders right there. And, and, and it tells us to lead by our own good example. And when the great shepherd, all right, and so the Bible refers to pastors as shepherds, you know, we may be a shepherd, but no doubt about it, he is the great shepherd. He's the boss of all the shepherds. Amen. And, and, and it tells us here in verse three to, Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care. Well, I've never wanted to be a pastor that gets all up in your business and tries to control your life. And, you know, I and I have members tell me, man, get up more in my business. Tell me if I'm wrong. You know, I can handle it. I'm like, okay, with your permission, if that's what you want, I'll do that. (laughs) But I'm not going to be the type of pastor that uh, I'm checking into your Facebook every day. I'm, you know, I'm not following you around. And the reason I say that is because I've heard stories from a lot of you guys about some of your previous church experiences. And believe me, I've got no desire to be a controlling pastor and get all up in your business and see what you're doing because I've got enough going on in my life that I don't need to try to control your life too. Amen. Some of you are thankful. Some of you wish that I would do more of getting up in your business. But listen, I want to teach you the Bible and show you how to live it. And what you do with that information will determine the level of your spiritual success. Amen. You know, I I can't live your life for you, but I can present God's word and present the truth to you. And it's up to you to take some responsibility for that. You know, Jesus said in John 8, 32, that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, a lot of people misquote that verse all the time. They're like, hey, man, you know what? The truth will set you free, brother. I'm like, well, I didn't say that. It said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. The truth all in its own is true, but it won't set you free until you get a hold of it and you know the truth then it'll change your life. But you're not going to know the truth unless somebody tells you the truth. And the truth sometimes hurts really, really bad. But it doesn't change the fact that it's true. Right? 
And sometimes I get smacked with a case of the truth right across the chops. Like, ow, that hurt. I can say, wow, man, you really hate me. Or I can say, oh, you know what? Thank you. I needed that. I needed a wake-up call. Because if I'm wrong, I've reached a point in my life where I want to know it. Maybe when I was younger, I, I didn't want to know it. Like, hey, you know, just let me live my life and, you know, I'll, and I'll be wrong. Well, I don't want to go to hell holding on to my right to be wrong. I would rather go to heaven with a few bruises and a few ouchies along the way because somebody had the guts and the love to say, man, you're wrong and what you're playing with right there will kill you. Get away from it. Get out of the road. There's a car coming, right? And so sometimes, yeah, man, the truth, it'll hurt you a little bit. But when you know the truth, it will set you free. Can we get an amen today? So the verse I just read was a little bit more pointed at the pastor. Now let's look at a verse that's pointed at everybody else. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Do you like the spotlight being shined upon you? Hebrews 13 and verse 17. Just a couple pages to your left there. Hebrews 13 and verse 17. And it tells us this, amen? It says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. Now here's one of my least favorite sentences in the entire Bible. And you're like, oh, you've got, you've got a least favorite sentence? Yeah, this one, I don't... Eh. Why do we have to put this in here? It says, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. And as we read that, listen, some people are like, man, I want to be a a Christian leader. I want to be a pastor, you know, an evangelist and, you know, whatever. And we're going to look at that in a minute. But, hey, it's awesome some days. Some days it's not so fun. And, 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 and I'll tell you why some days it's not so fun, all right? And maybe this is more than you all want to hear, but hey, you're at church on a Sunday, so I figured you came to hear it, all right? And so, as a spiritual leader, all right, and even James put it this way, he said, not very many people become teachers in the church, for we who teach are held to a higher standard. Man, God judges everybody the same. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. If you are a spiritual leader, a teacher, you are held to a higher standard than everybody else. And James said, you don't really know that you want that position necessarily because there's a greater burden that comes with that. And as I study verses like this, I'm fully aware that I will stand before God Almighty on Judgment Day and I have to answer to God for my life. Well, I don't believe in judgment day. Oh, it's coming, brother. It's coming. Everybody has to stand before God and give an account for their life. You've got to answer for this. And that, I mean, if you know, some people I say this and that's like, well, I never thought about that. You should think about this, man. Think about this. You're going to stand before God someday and give an account for your life. Now, if you're born again, thank God Jesus paid the price for your sins. Amen. And you're getting into heaven because Jesus forgave you and paid the price for your sins. But you'll still give an account 
for your life. Jesus said in the book of Matthew that you're going to stand before him and give an account for every idle word you've spoken in this life. That's something to think about. But as somebody, you know, if you're a, a pastor, a spiritual leader, you know, whatever the case is, check it out. You also don't only just answer to God for your life. You've got to give an account for the people that God assigned to your care. Like, wow, that's, that's you know, that may not mean much to you, but I read that and I'm like, okay, sir, yes, sir, I'll do the best job I can. I, I, I take it seriously. That I gotta stand before God and talk about my life, and then I gotta talk about your life too. <laughs> like, so, you know, I'm just saying, if you ever wanna be in ministry, which is, a, you should, that's a great thing, man, if God calls you to it, but just realize that it's not always all fun and games and roses. There's a lot of fun, there's a lot of games, and it's wonderful, and it's the best thing ever, but, there's a weight that comes with it also. And, and and the writer of Hebrews says that give your leaders a reason to talk to God about you with joy and not with sorrow. And I want to see, I'm just going to paraphrase the Message Bible. It's a paraphrase, and, but, but I like the way the Message Bible worded this, all right? And so it says, be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. They are alert to the condition of your lives and work under the strict supervision of God. (laughs) Contribute to the joy of their leadership, not its drudgery. Man, it got quiet in this Pentecostal church. (laughs) Why would you want to make things harder for them? All right, and so, you know, that's the message Bible paraphrase on this, but... Contribute to the joy of their job, not the drudgery of their job. Why would you want to make things harder on them? All right. And so anything that I'm reading right there again, what is the picture that I'm trying to paint? It's this is that in your life, whether you admit it or not, you need spiritual leadership. And, and, and that's going to be in the form, uh, you know, of, of, of a pastor in your local church. All right. And I want to show you one more reference, and that's in Ephesians chapter four. One more. And then we'll move on to some more fun stuff. Who wants the fun stuff today? Well, it ain't coming. No, I'm, okay. <laughs> you're going to be waiting a long time, sister. Uh, Ephesians four. No, no, no. I like the fun stuff. I like to make everybody happy. But I uh, sometimes can't do that, right? Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 13. And doctrinally, this is what we refer to as the five-fold ministry. And, and uh, Paul lays out uh, the five primary offices of the New Testament Christian church. All right, so Ephesians 4, verse 11. It says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. All right. Who did Christ give these gifts to? All right. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. All right. And so he lists five ministry offices right there that are given apparently as gifts to the church. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. 
measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Amen. Now, this is what we refer to, again, as the five-fold ministry. What is the purpose of the five-fold ministry? Is it so they can have cool titles and flex and show off? No, we just read what it is, all right? I mean, that's, this isn't a trick question. Their purpose is to equip you to do God's work and build you up in your faith. And listen, so you can mature. Who wants to be a mature Christian? Dude, I want to be a mature Christian. I want to grow up. I don't want to just stay where I'm at forever. You know, it's really cute when a one-year-old, you know, spills their bottle or, you know, does something silly. It's cute. It's funny. We all laugh. I had my nephews at the house the other night, and and I, I poured, I don't know why, did this. Left a cup right there with no lid on it. And so my little buddy Judah comes up. Next thing I know, he's dumping it all over the floor. He's almost doing the cabbage patch. He's like, woo, you know, getting into it. And I'm like, wow, I forgot, man. It was cute, though. I laughed. Listen, when the 10-year-old does that, I'm like, go to your room, man. Clean it up. It's not cute anymore. It's really not cute if you're 30 years old and you come to my house and you dump your soda all over the floor. I may get angry. I don't know. I don't know. But but it's not cute. Why? Because you're supposed to be mature enough right now to not do the same stupid things you did when you were little. And one way that you're going to mature, there's there's several ways, primarily through God's word. Don't get that wrong. But one way that you will mature is to sit under the fivefold ministry, and in this case, specifically talking about a pastor. And it says it's to help you mature in the Lord, and so you can measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Who wants to grow up? All right, hey, I'm dealing with a group of people that at least 30% of them want to grow up this morning. That's encouraging. All right, so um, anyway, you know, but but listen. God apparently thinks it's important for each of us to have a pastor and spiritual leadership in our life. And to think that you are some sort of exception to that rule, or that this part of the Bible doesn't apply to you, is arrogant and prideful. Now listen, hey, if I'm not your pastor, I'm cool with that. Go find out who is. But if I am your pastor... I'm really sorry about your luck, okay? That's just, that's, that's on you. <laughs> all right, that's a joke. I'm just kidding. Love you. Hopefully you love me. All right. So, number three, number three, let's go. Talking about reasons why church is an important part of our root system. Because we're spending the whole first part of this year focusing on our roots growing down into Him. Number three, you need a place to grow. You need a place to grow. And I pray that as an adult, you have some sort of desire to grow still. The minute that you quit growing, that you quit desiring to grow, that's a dangerous moment in your life. And I can tell you that it's difficult to be around someone who has no initiative or desire or goals. To me, I, you know, that just that, that drives me just bananas. I, and that may sound mean. I don't like to be around people that have no initiative, no desire to advance in life. 
And that may sound mean. And, 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 you know, and if you're in that spot, that's why you're here, because we want to help you fire you up, man. Get some fire under your seat so you want to do something with yourself. But it's difficult if you are a person that is driven, a person that, you know, has goals and desires. It's really hard to be around somebody that just has no ambition at all to grow or advance or do anything further with their life. I was talking to a guy one day, this was years ago, this, you know, I'm not putting down on the man, but he had several kids, he was unemployed, and the reason that he was unemployed wasn't because, you know, he was disabled, it wasn't because he just couldn't find a job, I'm just going to be honest, the guy didn't want a job, and, uh, you know, I hadn't seen him for a while, he was a strong, able-bodied, capable man. I'm not making fun, but let's just get factual. If you are able-bodied, strong, capable, you know, you, you ought to be doing something with yourself. Amen? I don't think that's a mean thing to say. I think that's reasonable. But anyway, I hadn't seen this guy for a while. And so I, you know, I was like, hey, man, uh, good to see you. Where, uh, where are you working at now? <laughs> Nowhere. He's like, oh, um, I was um, still looking, huh? He laughed in my face and said, no, <laughs> not really. I was like. Good to see you. Bye. <laughs> he just kind of walked away. And, and I'm not, I'm not making fun of that, but that's all, you know, I was just dumbfounded. How can you be? And, and, you know, such a level, you know, you're a, you know, a strong man, you know, you've, you've got potential. You're not a dummy. You're not, you, it's not that you can't do something with yourself. You just don't want to do something with yourself. Listen, we're here to help you grow. Do you want to stay right where you're at for the rest of your life? I mean, I don't. I, I'm glad I've had a great life so far, but I don't want 37 years old to be when I reached my peak and never went any further and it's just all, you know, steady from there or downhill. I want to keep growing and doing better, amen, until Jesus comes and says, hey, let's go. Let's go home. I want to keep advancing and doing more. Does advancing mean making more and more money? No. I mean, that could be potentially one aspect of your success, but I want to keep growing in the Lord, getting stronger in Him and helping as many people as we can help. Amen? I want to help people that are looking for Jesus. And so I believe with all my heart that church is a place where God will speak to you and reveal things to you and where you can discover your purpose. Has God ever spoken to you in a church service before? Happens to me all the time, man. I'll be in here and, and God speaks to me. Now, sometimes at church, God stretches us or maybe we get rubbed the wrong way, but that's part of growing, And I'm going to say something that maybe you should write down. You don't have to, but I think you should. At some point, you have to decide if you want to be comfortable or if you want to grow. At some point, you have to decide if you want to be comfortable or if you want to grow. And I'm going to tell you, growing is uncomfortable. It takes some intentional effort. It takes some admitting that there's a better way than the way you've been doing it. It's painful, but it's a good pain. The summer that I turned 
16, you know, I hadn't been very tall up until then. I mean, you know, I'm still not like a giant, but I, I wanted to grow tall because I lived in the state of Indiana and there was only one acceptable goal for growing up in Indiana and that was to play basketball, all right? I'm just, I'm serious. The state is obsessed with basketball. And every little boy, you know, we all want to grow up and play basketball. And professional basketball is not the most popular level there. High school basketball, man. There's, there, I think I saw an article, nine of the largest ten high school basketball gymnasiums in the world are in Indiana. We've got basketball gyms that seat 25, 30,000 people. And it's, you laugh until you go there and it's sold out on Friday nights and you're like, oh. So anyway, all of us boys, man, we just want to grow up and play ball like Larry Bird, okay? And so, and in fact, my hometown, if you know basketball, John Wooden, the great famous basketball coach, won nine titles, nine out of ten years in a row at UCLA. He's from my hometown. And so everybody's all about basketball, but I knew I had to grow taller. And so I didn't know, though, that growth meant pain. And so the summer I turned 16... I kid you not, within like a three-month period, I grew like six inches, and it was nuts. I grew and grew and grew, and it was crazy, but my legs hurt all the time. And I'm like, what is this pain? Oh, and we went to the doctor, and, 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 and they were talking like, oh, what, you, what you've got going on is what we call growing pains. It'll be good in the end, but it's going to hurt a little while until you get there. You are being stretched at an alarming rate, and it hurts, but in the end, it'll be good. And so sometimes when you come to church, when you're reading the Bible, when somebody is speaking into your life, sometimes it stretches your thinking. Sometimes you are told that, hey, the way that you've always been doing it, it may seem right, but according to the Bible, it's actually wrong. And so what's happening you're being stretched, and it can be painful. But in the end, it's a really great thing, because come fall time, guys that used to block me, I was spiking their shots into the third row, amen? (laughs) And so, no, seriously, though, growth, it hurts for a while, but in the end, it pays off really, really big, and church is a place for you to grow. At the right church, you'll leave a lot of the time feeling happy and encouraged. And just to be honest, that's usually my goal for when you leave here. I want you to go skipping out the doors full of joy and happiness and glee. I want you to look like Julie Andrews at the beginning of The Sound of Music. If you don't know that story, ask my wife. We watched that movie last year for the first time. My own wife trolled me with it. (laughs) (laughs) so I just, you know, in the morning time I wake up, I don't know why, I wake up very, very positive, and 99 out of 100 mornings I wake up insanely happy, I don't even know why, I just wake up full of happiness and joy, and my wife gets very annoyed about that, I don't know why, I don't know why, you know, so, you know, I know sometimes, maybe it's because sometimes I would like put a speaker next to her head and place them like, you know, some really loud music to get her going. She doesn't like that. I don't know why. But uh, sometimes a little sprinkling in the morning, you know. 
Uh, she doesn't like that either. But anyway, we're watching the sound of music, and Julie Andrews is, Andrews is dancing through the field. She looks straight at me and goes, my God, that's you. And I'm like, well, that's, what's that supposed to mean? I don't, whatever. All right. So, um, <laughs> whoever that was, thanks for the assist, because I need it right now. Um, but listen, my goal most of the time is to have you skipping out the doors happy and carefree. And, and, and at, at, at a good church, that'll happen about 50% of the time. You should be leaving like that, encouraged, happy. But I'm going to tell you this much also. Another portion of the time, you should be leaving feeling challenged, stretched, maybe a little provoked. And, you know, I'm, just, I'm being honest. You need to be at a church, whether it's this one or some other great one, that challenges you, stretches you, and sometimes you believe a little bit like, man, that's not how I've always heard it, but it's in the Bible, so I guess I need to kind of change how I've always been doing it. And that's the mark of the right church for you. Because, hey, I know a lot of you guys that work out, sometimes you're like, man, Woo, I'm sore today. That was a great workout. That was awesome. Then you leave church. Hey, he said something I didn't like. That's no fair. I hate him. I hate him. He's mean and judgmental. And listen, if you're okay to get roughed up at the gym a little bit for your physical body, maybe you should be okay with a little shaking sometimes for your spiritual condition and health. Amen? So sometimes a little bit of pain is a good thing, all right? One last verse, Psalm 92 and verse 13, and we're going to read it in the King James just like it was written. (laughs) It was a joke. It was a joke. My dad and I tell lots of uh, (laughs) translation jokes. All right, Psalm 92 and verse 13. I love this, man. Psalm 92, and we're going to look at verse 13 in the King James. Amen. And this is talking about being planted in the house of God. It says right here, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Now notice this verse says planted. If you are planted Somewhere, that means that, hey, you're there consistently, right? This isn't an, when I, when I say something is planted, I'm not talking about inconsistent and occasional. When you're planted, your roots are growing down into the soil and you're getting stronger and healthier. And I'm telling you today, Plant yourself in the house of the Lord and you'll start seeing growth like you've never seen before. If you want to get in shape this year, first of all, I'm the wrong guy to talk to, but even if I was, I would say going to the gym once every month or two, it's not going to make the difference and get the job done. I'm just being honest. You know, I, I don't know much about these things, but I do know that if you want it to really work, it's got to be consistent. And so somebody's like, man, I don't get it. I go, I, one day of the month, I eat healthy, I eat vegetables, and one day of the month, I go walk on the treadmill. I have no idea why I'm not seeing massive results and great gains. 
well, I'm just going to tell, I, I don't, I don't know, I'm not a professional at this, but I think you're supposed to do it more often before you start seeing the benefits. I'm pretty sure. And so I see people like, I don't get it. I man, I went to church like five, six times last year and I'm still a wreck. I flat out don't get it. I I'm like, well, I mean, I know a little bit more about church than I do about the gym. And I, I'm pretty sure it doesn't work that way. I think you're supposed to do it a little more regular than that. And, and I think every day you're supposed to read the Bible and get daily bread, daily nutrition. And, and I, that's a big part of it. And so if you're not getting your daily bread, if you're not eating every day, you're not going to be healthy. You need the word every single day. Amen. And, 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 and if you don't go and uh, gather with the family regularly, work out regularly. You know, listen, it's not going to work. You've got to do this stuff consistently before you start seeing the results. And so please don't be lazy spiritually and say dumb things like, oh, I don't think it makes any difference at all. I'm not saying any. You won't see the difference until you start doing it regularly. And if you've been an inconsistent Christian and, and church attender, let this be the year that you change that. I think that's a great idea. And I want to say that some of you are off to a really great start this year in that regard. I'm seeing a lot of people that have, you know, been inconsistent in the past, but they are being very consistent this year. That's awesome, man. You're, you made a commitment and you're sticking with it. And so January's almost over. Don't lose sight of the gains that you've made. You may not even see it just yet. Well, I mean, I've, I've been doing this a month now and I'm, give it some time. The foundation takes some time, but after a while, I'll tell you this, you don't really know how strong you are until you face your first fight or your first storm or your first obstacle or whatever Christian word we want to use right here, your first trial, your first valley. You know, there's a lot of great synonyms that we use right there. But listen, you don't, you may not know how strong you are until the devil shows up for a fight. And last time, something that he used to knock you down, you win the fight. Like, oh, wow, I didn't realize I was getting that strong. Wow, maybe a heavy burden comes, and you're just able to lift it up and cast the care on the Lord. Last time it would have crushed you. This time, you throw it to the side, and you're like, whoa, I didn't realize the strength that I have now. And so you may be here like, well, yeah, I'm doing this, and I don't see much yet. Well, maybe you haven't really had to fight against anything yet, but I promise you the next fight from the devil that comes your way. Watch how you handle it this time. Watch how strong you are this time, and you're going to be amazed. You have no idea how strong you are when you're consistent in the Lord until there's a fight. And then thank God you've been taking the time to feed yourself, to work out, to go to church. You're going to thank God because it's going to pay off next time. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, let's stand up together today. Praise God. Let's stand up together. Amen. Whew. I love, man, I love being in the house of God. I love you wonderful people. You're awesome. Amen. Well, I'm going to have Pastor Josh lead us in a little bit of worship here today. Listen, we're going to offer prayer to you, but the biggest and most important thing that we can offer is this. If you're here and you've never really received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, none of this stuff's going to make any sense. None of this is going to work. 
until you get that first piece of the puzzle in place. You've got to have Jesus in your heart. And what I run into more often than that is, is somebody that at one point in time, they did receive Jesus, but somewhere along the way, they walked away. And we're not here to, to judge you for that or to throw stones at you. Or, no, we're just here to say, okay, listen, that was a mistake, but it can be fixed. We can fix this today. We can help you restore your relationship with Jesus. Nothing else is going to work until that's in place. I'm, I promise you that right now. Nothing else will work until you have things right with Jesus. And so what I want to do today is I want to lead us all in a prayer together. I want to pray together. And you're like, man, I've been in church a thousand times, prayed this a thousand times. Good for you. We're thrilled for you. But there's people here today that they need this moment. And you're never going to get a better moment than this. You're in the house of God, around the people of God, people that love you and care for you. There's never going to be a better moment than right now to make things right with God. And on top of that, uh, listen, a lot of you know this, but here at church, we've got a program we call Spiritual Personal Trainer. And what we do is if you are in a spot where you are making your heart right with the Lord, you're either getting born again for the first time or you're coming back to God after a period of walking away, what we want to do with your permission is we would hook you up with somebody else from the church that they will text you every day some Bible verses. There's a devotion that I wrote that I believe helps you daily to go with this. And they'll pray for you every day. You can ask questions. They're going to be a mentor to you for at least 30 days to help you get started on your path. Because I don't think it's very nice to tell somebody like, hey, you need to change. Pray this paragraph prayer. Good luck. We hope you make it. No, man. Listen, somebody that's making changes in their life, they need some help. And we're here to do that. We're here to give you a personal trainer. And, and we would do that for you if you wanted it. Amen. But I want to bow our heads and close our eyes today. And we're going to say this prayer together. Can we do that? Say this with me. Father, in Jesus' name. Father, in Jesus' name. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died, that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for any wrong I've done. Give me a new chance. Make me clean. Forgive me of my sins. Give me the strength to live for you. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise again? With that being said, this right here is Jose. Jose, raise your hand, all right? Listen, Jose is in charge of our spiritual personal trainer program. And if that's you today and you're like, yeah, I I need this, I want to change, and I realize that I need some help doing it, I need you to go see Jose here in a minute. He'll get your information, and we will hook you up with somebody that uh, can help you on this journey. Amen. We love doing that. So, all right, I'm going to have my prayer team come forward today. And if you're here and you need prayer for anything, we want to be in agreement with you. Uh, if you need, a, if you've got health stuff going on, family stuff going on, whatever the case is, if you've got a need, we want to pray for you today. And if not, I ask you to join in to worship with us. Pastor Josh is going to lead us into some worship. Amen. Let's go. And the angels cry, a holy all creation cries holy you are lifted high 
We'll sing the song forever and amen. And the angels cry, holy, all creation cries, holy, you are lifted high, holy, holy forever, hear your people sing.
Amen. All right. Praise God. Well, we're, we're going to have to start winding down. we got some ministry going on here. But can you see why it's important to have a church family, to have a team of people around you? And what takes place at the altar of God here? I know sometimes, you know, if it's not your day that you need help, maybe you're sitting out there like, man, I kind of need to get out here. No, no, no. Always be here for your family that's getting prayer. It's an important time for you as a brother and sister to hook your faith up with theirs and trust that God's working in their life. And that's one thing that I love about our church is that we still do this. You know, I've got other pastor friends that maybe even have churches that aren't even this big. And they're like, no, there's takes too much time. No, there's always time for the altar to be open and to pray for people and, uh, and see God work in their lives. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise today? All right. We're getting ready to close out, but uh, did uh, forget something at announcement time. I need Cindy grow. I can't see it, but I'm sure you're here. All right. There's Cindy. All right. Hey, amen. Speaking of growth, we've got Cindy Grow in the house. All right. Oh. My bad. That was a dad joke. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. All right. So um, she's got a, a missions um, announcement for our missions trip to Honduras. All right. Just very quickly, I want to, if anybody was not here last week and did not get an information packet, you can either see Summer or myself, and we have information packets for you. And then today we start, we're starting our fundraisers, our fundraiser. It's called Pick a Number. So in the entranceway, there's a board with numbers, envelopes with numbers 1 through 50. Just pick one of those envelopes, and then um, you simply pick a number, place a matching amount of cash or check in the envelope, seal it, and then drop it in the canister that's on the information booth in the back. Oh, we also need your prayer. Please pray for the uh, missions group. Pray for our preparation and um, and our safe trip, our safe travels. And uh, and that's it. Thank you for your prayers and support. Amen. All right. Yeah. All right. You can also, uh, when you stop to snatch an envelope, if you don't have cash or check with you today, you can give online. Um, you can give online under the, the drop-down menu. We'll have missions trip available there. Just in the name portion, there's a memo that you would put which missions team member you're putting it for. Just uh, put pick a number in that, and we'll yeah. know that it's part of that fundraiser. Amen. All right. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, uh, the money that we're raising here, it'll be distributed amongst the people that are going on the trip. Huh? Okay. Yep. Yeah, all right. It'll be at the info booth this week and next week. All right. Amen. And so, again, that's helping the people go to Honduras that want to go. And if you're like, well, I don't want to go over there. Well, hey, send somebody else. Amen. All right. Help help them out. All right. Let's pray. And then we will close out in faith with the Barstow Faith Confession. And then tonight, Pastor's going to be telling the story of how he came to Jesus on January 29th, 1980. Uh, amen. It's going to be a great night. And so come here. His salvation story and testimony tonight, and uh, you're not going to regret it. It's going to be really encouraging. And if you know somebody else that's kind of on the fence about, you know, giving their life to Jesus, tonight would be a great night for them to come hear this story, all right? Amen. Let's pray, and then we'll speak some words of faith over Barstow. Amen. Let's raise our hands. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in your word today. And God, we thank you that we have a house to come to. We've got a church to come to where we can hear your word, Lord, where we can be encouraged 
encouraged, but where we can also be challenged, God, and where you can get the truth to us. And Lord, we thank you so much for this wonderful family that we're surrounded with right here. We love you, and we ask that you would use us this week to be the light of the world everywhere we go. May we show the love of Jesus to the entire community of Barstow, to Fort Irwin, to the Marine Base, to Victorville, to the school district, to Santa Fe, anywhere that we are, anywhere we're working, Jesus, we want to show the love of God. We love you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, can somebody say amen? All right. Let's speak some words of faith over Barstow today. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you tonight.